3. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Let's look at those verses one more time and read through them. It says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Father, I pray you bless the next few minutes that we have here this morning together. And I pray that you'd be pleased and glorified and help us today as we look at your word and look at the scriptures and see some powerful things that are very important in the work of God and things going forward for you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Members one of another. In the Old Testament, we were given the Ten Commandments. Um, not the Ten Opinions, but Ten Commandments, not Ten Suggestions, the Ten Commandments. Jesus simplified the Ten Commandments into two commandments, which basically summarizes all of them. Number one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. That is the first and great commandment. And the second commandment is like unto it, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Bible tells us. So we see, and you take the Ten Commandments, the first four deal with our love for God and not taking his name in vain, and all those different things. It fits perfectly. And then loving our neighbor as ourself, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't covet what your neighbor has, you should honor your parents, all these different things. All of it fits in perfectly into those two thoughts, to love God with everything you have, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, nowadays churches don't function the way God intended for churches to function. What we do at church today is we come to our service a week or you know, a few services a week. We come, we go, we sit in a chair. We sit, I used to say pews, but we have chairs now. So i got to say chairs. We sit in our chairs, we go, we leave, and we think that that's what church is all about. That's not how God designed church to be. There's a lot more to church, and there's a lot of responsibilities and opportunities that we have that God's given to us within the local church. And we look around on the wall this morning, you look around, we have responsibilities to one another sitting in this room. We are members one of another. Every one of us matter to God. Everyone matters in this local church. If this is your church and you claim this to be your church, then you are a part of what God's doing here. You're a member of it and that's important for you to be a part. We're supposed to love one another. And what did Jesus say? This shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The calling card of the church should be our love for one another, yet we argue and fight with everybody is what we do, and that's not how God designed it. We should be admonishing, building up. We should be serving, be kind to one another. We should be forgiving, comfort one another, edify. We should be, have compassion. We should minister to one another. Those are all our responsibilities to one another. You see, what happens in church a lot of times is we come, we sit, we get the sermon, we hear everything, we leave, and that's all there is to it. But there's responsibility that comes being a part of a local church. And we miss out on that a lot today. And I want to talk about this over the next several weeks 
And as we look at this and as we tie all this together, what we understand as believers, we're not isolated individuals, but we're members of the body of Christ with specific responsibilities to one another. And sometimes we get this idea, we just keep to our, no. And sometimes it's easier. Some people, I have the person, I like to keep to myself. That's just how I am. And you say, no, pastor, look at how you are. You talk to everybody at church and everything else. I do it, and praise God I'm able to do it, but I've gone to people's houses, and we've gone with our family, and then afterwards they ask me, were you mad? You didn't say that a whole lot tonight. And I just, I'm not a real, I'm a very quiet person. I like to keep to myself. That's how I am. And some of you I know, you think I'm lying this morning, but I'm not lying to you this morning. And uh, you can ask Caroline. In our house, she does 92% of the talking. <laughs> and I do about 8%. Unless she's not happy about something, then it goes to zero on that end, and then I'm the one talking about 50% of the time. So if it's quiet in my house, Brian's been a bad boy, and we'll just leave it at that and not go any deeper than that right there. I love you, babe. Just remember that, all right? And so we look this morning, and as we introduce this series, I want you to see what the Bible has to say about our relationships with one another. But you can apply this to so many areas. You can apply this thing about being members one of another to your family, husband and wife relationship. And we talk about in church and so many things and the godly relationships that we should have. As Christians, we're connected. What connects us? Jesus Christ. Haven't we been reading about that in the book of Ephesians? He connects us all. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And you might not like me, but I'm still your brother in Christ. So you just got to deal with it. I might be the one you want to stay away from, but that's okay. But as we look at this and we get into it, sadly, we look across the spectrum of Christian relationships, and we often see those that are more detrimental than helpful. Sometimes in Christian homes and among churches, we see people who aren't functioning one with another according to what the Bible teaches. And because that happens, we have dysfunctional churches, dysfunctional families, instead of growing healthy families, growing healthy relationships. We want to see from God's word what we can get today to bring honor and glory to him. Our church, Victory Baptist Church, in our 50th year going on, we want God to be glorified by everything that's done in this place. I want God in my home to be glorified by how Caroline and I run our home and how that works. I want God glorified in all of those things. And that should be our ultimate goal. God wants his people to have better relationships than those that don't know him. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You know the Lord and things, and we should have, and I want you to understand the church should be the model for all that is related on how to function and work together. And if there's any organization that should know how to function and work as a team, it should be the local church. We see number one in our outline, we see a warning to the believers. We see a warning to the believers. Paul begins his instruction here in relationships by emphasizing that he's speaking the instructions of God, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I want you to understand, well, some say, well, Paul's writing this to us. No, it's given by inspiration of God. Paul said it in another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. And the way inspiration works, God used Paul to pen his words. So these instructions are not Paul's instructions to us. 
They're God's instructions to the local church, is what we see before us. And so as Paul dives in here, there's, he's, there's a warning here. And there's warning, it's kind of twofold, which is letter A. The first thing is, you've got to be very careful in this thing of relationships because of faulty thinking that comes into play. Faulty thinking. You say, well, what are you talking about? Paul says to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What are we talking about? Pride. Pride creeps in so easily into our life, it begins in the mind. Pride ruins relationships. It stirs up strife by creating within us an elevated perception of who we are. And all of us are capable of having the spirit of pride. Let me give you a little help this morning. Say, Pastor, I have marriage problems. It's my spouse's fault. No, it's your fault. Why? Only by pride cometh contention. In the book of Proverbs, the only way you have contention in your home is because of pride. In a local church, the only reason we have dysfunction and disunity in a church is because of an elevated view of self. Pride. We think we're right. We think we have to tell people when we're right. It's called pride. I'll give you an example of pride. In my own life, yesterday I took the teens to the snow. And we had a good time. We're coming back and we got off at Euclid over here. And okay, when you get off, and some of you, this might help you out learning how to drive correctly. Let me give you some proper tips on driving. And Caroline really pay attention. But I've been trying for 13, 14 years. We're still working there. And uh, so when you get off Euclid, you have three lanes. And you have two that will turn left. And that middle one will also go straight. And then you have one that turns right. So when you, there's that uh, median in between, and so what happens is there is a turning lane to get onto the freeway under the bridge, then there's one lane, and then there's one more lane. So proper lane etiquette is that when you get off Euclid there, that you are, and you're in the first lane, you are supposed to turn into not the turn lane that, to get back on the freeway, you're supposed to turn into the first full lane. Those in the middle lane are supposed to go to the far lane and go there. That's proper. So most of the time when you make turns anywhere you go, Let's say you turn out of church here at Edison and you make a right on Edison. So you turn around San Antonio and you make a right on Edison. If you pull into the left lane as you turn, that's improper. And if you were taking a driving test, you would be marked for it. You're supposed to turn into the lane first that you come to. Then you can turn, you can turn on your turn signal and get over. So we get off the freeway. And I'm in my lane. And, you know, and people, for some reason, the lane getting on the freeway was backed up. And a car shouldn't have been where it was. But, you know, it was all good because I could still get where I needed to be because my lane followed the right path and everything's fine. And so the car next to me, this guy had this Silverado pickup truck, these people with Silverados anyways. He, um, we, I have one in case you didn't notice, but that's why I was saying that. And so I'm turning and I, I'm going and I'm staying in my thing. He turned into my lane. He honks his horn at a church van. Can you believe that? <laughs> and then on top of that, he throws his hands up in the air like I'm wrong. And you know what I did? I, I'm like, stay in your lane. I signaled that to him. And I, did pro I, didn't, I didn't say anything bad or do anything like that. But I was letting him know he needs to stay in his lane. And he pulled up to the, to the light right there. How dare you honk at a church van? The church van's always right, right? <laughs> no, but anyways... And so he pulled up the light, and he's just glaring at me. And I'm like, and I went like that. That was pride. I shouldn't have done it. 
That was pride rearing up because I was trying to prove my point. I was even right, and I know I was. But that's called pride. Pride doesn't have to be right even when you're right. The only reason there was contention on the road is because that guy was an idiot. No, it's because, <laughs> because pride reared up in me. Only by pride cometh contention. Teenagers have problems with their parents. Only by pride cometh contention. The relationships we have, pride is the root of all contention we have. There's someone in church you just can't get along with. You're not going to like everybody. Not everybody's going to be just your type of person. But we're commanded to love one another. You know, I don't have to like you, but I still love you. That type of thing, you know? No, it shouldn't be like that either. But we have the, there's this faulty thinking in us. And pride causes us to have too high of an inaccurate view and a high estimation of who we are. That's what Galatians 3 tells us. It tells us, For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Charles Spurgeon said like this, and I've heard, I've heard people in our church that come up to me and they'll be like, Pastor, why do you let them walk all over you? No one's walking over me. That's pride. That's what that is. Charles Spurgeon said like this, do not desire to be the principal man in the church. Be lowly, be humble. The best man in the church is the man who is willing to be a doormat for all to wipe their boots on. The brother who does not mind what happens to him at all so long as God is glorified. Don't be an egoholic. Don't be full of yourself. I think of, we think of, in and I'm a basketball fan. I'm a Laker fan, and if you don't like the Lakers, there's something wrong with you, but that's okay. And, I've been a, and I did not just like them when they were good. I've always liked them, never changed all that. But I remember a few years ago, and you think of a, an egomaniac. Um, the Lakers had a player, Alonzo Ball, on their team, and his dad. And they live in Chino Hills over there. And his dad made this statement about himself. He went on the record of saying this in 2017. Back in my heyday, I would kill Michael Jordan one-on-one. -on -one. That's what he said. Now, in reality, LeVar Ball played one season of college basketball. For one year, he averaged two points and two rebounds a game. He had an inaccurate view of himself because Michael Jordan would make him look silly. Even the old Michael Jordan today and a young LeVar Ball would have made LeVar Ball look silly. But he had too high of thoughts about himself. You see that oftentimes in a lot of things. And the Bible is very clear that we need to humble ourselves and remain teachable and be humble. And so we see this, the first warning here is this faulty thinking. It's pride. It's thinking ourselves to be something when we're not. But then the second part of that is because of the pride that creeps in, it leads to forgetful thinking. And pastor, what do you mean on forgetful thinking? It says, uh, the rest of verse number three there, but to think soberly as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What you got to remember is everything we have comes from God. All the talents you have, all the abilities, it is nothing of yourself. It is God that has given those things to us. And verse 3 tells us that God dealt these to us. The word dealt means to distribute, to bestow, or to impart. 
And the measure of faith means a determined extent. So think about this. It's God who has given us the ability to do the things we do, and he's the distributor of the faith or the abilities to exercise our gifts in service for him. Think about this. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything we have and everything we are is because of the grace of God today. That's why you cannot get thinking too highly of yourself, because without Him, we are absolutely nothing. And so we get this faulty thinking, and the Bible tells in Ephesians 4, 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So every good and perfect gift comes from God, and the goodness in our lives comes solely from Jesus Christ. And the warning to believers here is that whenever we get filled with ourselves, the one another aspect of our relationships begin to strain and tear because we're focusing on self and forgetting what God is doing. Does that make sense? All right, that's number one, which leads us to number two. We see the wonder of believers. We've seen the <coughs> warning. We're going to look at the wonder here. And we look at verse number four and five. <coughs> the Bible says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We've talked about in the book of Ephesians for several weeks, we've talked about the mystery of God. The mystery of God was the body of Christ and how the angels in heaven didn't even know it. And so the body of Christ, God has a wonderful plan. That's what's called the body of Christ, the local church. And he's designed the local church to function a certain way. You think about this, he's the designer of it, right? So he knows the best ways for it to function and how to properly do the things he would have us do, and how to run properly. And that leads us to letter A, the uniqueness of each member. The uniqueness of each member. Verse 4 here tells us that there are many members in one body. And so we look at that, look at verse number 4, for we have many members in one body. Well, what's that talking about in a local church? Last service, we probably had 80 or 90 in this room. And in this service, most of them are not here. There's, now you're here. But in our church, God places the members in that body. A church is a local body. So Victory Baptist Church is a local body of believers. It says we have many members in one body. So if this is your church and you're a part of this church, and there are some here, some that are here that are members of the church, there are some that are not here that are members but are real plugged in, and, you have, and all, how that all fits into everything. And sometimes you get visitors that come, and we love having visitors. The best part about guests and visitors, we love for them to come back and come back and be a part of our church and things like that. But those who are here and this is your church, there are many members in one body. And that reminds you of the fact, you think about the unique, of each member, it talks about a body. Now we can talk about a physical body this morning. There are so many different parts to your body that you have. And you could just look and you think about it. Nose, face, ears, and uh, so many different things. Feet. And you break them down. Toes, toenails, hands, fingers, arms, stomachs. Then you go inside and all the different hearts, all these different things. There are so many things that make the body work. 
But all of those together make the body work. You have a heart attack and tell me how good your body's going to be. Not real good. The body has to work together. But this is the thing. There are parts of the body, they might not be the, the head. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. They might not be, you know, you think about your feet. You have toes. What would you do without your toes? Say, but they're little, kind of insignificant. Okay, chop them all off and see what would happen. You would have no balance. And some of you don't have much balance as it is with your toes. So imagine how it would be without your toes. They play an important part. And you have, there's so many different parts to the body and different things. A few years ago, my mom had her gallbladder taken out because she had gallstones. And you know, one of those thoughts that goes into your mind, if a gallbladder can be taken out, then what's the point of having it? Well, it's kind of like a filter. And it takes different fats and things and helps filter it. You don't have that filter. You got to be careful about certain things that you eat. It plays an important role in the body functioning right. So in the local body, the local church, you might not be the hand or you might not be, you might be the ear. Who knows what you are? You have an important role, whatever you are. And that's the uniqueness of the thing is we are one body in Christ. This church, Victory Baptist Church, is one body, but there are many people, many members that make up that body. The word members there in verse number four is translated from a Greek word, melos, which means a limb or a part of the body. So just remember, some people think they have a less important role in the church due to their, maybe their past, maybe physical ailments, whatever the case may be. But I want you to understand something. That's not true. You don't have a lesser role. Because everybody in the church is what makes up that body, and you are just as important as any other part. Because you are needed to be a part of that body. God designed every part of the physical body to function as a whole. Even the smallest and weakest of our toes, you think about this, it's very important. It's crucial to maintain balance. And when something's not right with your big toe, you can tell. Ever had an ingrown toenail before? And you feel that thing all the time. And that's when you really realize that your toes do help balance you. Because if you would, you'd just keep all your pressure off of it, but everyone, your toes help you keep balance. And everyone in the body that God's placed together doesn't have the same function. Verse 4 says, all members have not the same office. The word office means function or business. So Jesus is the head of the body. He's to have preeminence over the body. And for the body of Christ to function well, the members of that body have to understand who put them together and their reasons to be apart. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us. And these verses, look at these verses. These are important. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, your foot's still part of the body. It could say all it wanted to, but it's still connected, right? So, and if the ears say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not the body, is it therefore not the body? If the whole body were an eye, where, where were the hearing? Or if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now, this verse in pastoring going on 10 years, this verse has helped me more than any other verse in the Bible, verse number 18. It says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. If this is your church, something you got to remember, God placed you here. 
I did not. You say, no, I, choose, I chose to come here. No, God puts who he wants in what body. He does that. So when you get upset with someone else in the body, like, why are they even here? God's the one who placed them there. What right do you have to question God about who he places within his body, right? So I love that verse, but now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where the body? And now they are many members, but yet one body. That's the uniqueness of the church. There's so many members, but it's one collective group of people doing the work of God. That's what we see. And the Bible makes it clear the Lord in Acts chapter number 2, verse 47, the Bible tells us that the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. It's the Lord who adds to a church and brings someone. You know, when we have guests and when guests come to our church, they'll come, they'll sit through a service, and they'll see, if, and happen is God will either lead you to keep coming here or God will lead you to, to another place. Some, I'll go, every time someone visits, they fill out a visitor's card. Probably shouldn't give this information out when I got visitors sitting in the room. But I will go and I make a, vi personally I visit everyone who visits our church. And I'll go by and thank them. If they can come to our church, I can go to their door and thank them for visiting our church. And I go to everyone that comes to our church. And I never, sometimes I go and some people are like, we loved it and we're going to be back and that's wonderful and great and I love that. Sometimes I go and they don't want to talk to me. They didn't like it, they did, it's not for them. I never try and convince someone they should come back because it's God who sets the members, every one of them in the body. And if God wants you here, you'll be here. Now when God places you here and then you start missing, then the pastor is going to come after you to see where you're at. And then if God moves you someplace else, I will back off. But until I know that, I'm going to bug you. That's what I do. And that's, that's what God's called me to do, to be a little bug in your life sometimes and to help you out when you need it. And some of you are smiling because you know I'm talking to you this morning. But it's all good, whatever the Lord wants in those things. The Lord, he's important with it. And he's the one who sets the members here. But that's why you got to remember, if God has you here, he has you here for a specific purpose and something to do. And then we see the uniqueness of each member, but then the next part, letter B, we see the unity of the whole body. Not only is every member of the body important, but every member is to work together. How would this be? And I did this last service, and we're going to do this again and see how it goes. It was bad last service, and I feel it's going to be bad again. Edna, could I have you go back to the keyboard for me? And Caroline, I need you to go to the piano. So I need you both to go to your spots. Jay was here last service. He's our regular song leader. And so he led, the last song he led this morning was Blessed Assurance. How would it be in a service if the song leader got up and said, all right, let's all stand together and let's sing Blessed Assurance, page five, whatever. And then, so put on the screen, Blessed Assurance for me. Remember where you're at, the unity of the whole body. So put Blessed Assurance up on the screen. But the piano player is sick and tired of singing Blessed Assurance. So she wants to sing How Great Thou Art. And the keyboard player is tired of How Great Thou Art and Blessed Assurance. So the keyboard player says, I'm going to play Amazing Grace. How is that going to function together? So what we're going to do is, you're going to give me an introduction from How Great Thou Art. When she's done with her introduction, you're going to play Amazing Grace. You're going to play How Great Thou Art. And I'm going to sing Blessed Assurance. And let's see how it sounds together. Here we go. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a four. Oh, no. So you can't even do it, right? It's all over the place. But when you're all on the same page, let's do it together. 
let's do here, play blessed assurance. That's the first line. Oh, you have to find it there? So we're on the same page. Give me an introduction. <coughs> blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Play something different. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in it. It doesn't work, does it? But that's what we do in the local church. Because everybody has, you guys can go ahead and be seated. Everyone has their ideas and what they think should be done. Instead of having unity with everybody, everybody's doing their own thing. And when you do your own thing, there's discord instead of harmony. Harmony is when everybody's working together. That's what happens on a Sunday morning around here. On a Sunday morning, there's someone who does security, keeping an eye on the property. There's ushers who are at the doors giving out bulletins when people come in and helping greet them and get them to their seats. There's a piano player and a keyboard player that are playing the same songs. And when the song there gets up to Leah's song, they all play the same song. And when the preacher preaches, we're all together on things. Downstairs, the kids, there's someone in the nursery watching the kids so that you don't have to have your crying baby in here banging so you can't focus on things. And then there's a teacher in the kitchen that's teaching the older kids the things of God. And this place is unified together doing the work of God. That's how God designed the church to be. But the church runs a lot of times like that song we did a few minutes ago. I want to do this, but that's not part of the program. That's not how it works. And God's called a church to be unified together. There are going to be many different personalities in a church. There are. And there are a lot of characters in this room, and they were here last service too. And not everyone's going to get along with everybody in the room. And it's going to happen. Your opinion's going to differ than mine but we are supposed to be unified on the things of God. And we have many members in one body. And our calling card, what you got to understand as we look at all these things, teamwork in the local church enables the church to fulfill the mission of Christ. We see in this passage two aspects of the unity of the body, our relationship in the body and our responsibility in the body. It says... For we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. When we talk about this thing about the unity of the whole body, we see our relationship in the body. We are individual members, but together we make up a body. As a body, our relationship to one another should be defined by arguing and fighting and discord. No. I love. This shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's it. So we have many members in one body, and that one body should portray the love of Christ. When the world looks at the church, they should be able to see the love of Christ inside of it. They should see a difference in the way a church functions and recognize by the members' love one for toward another that is different than any other secular organization in this world. The church is not a secular organization. It's a living church created by a living God, and the unity and the love of the church should be the testimony of the fact that God's presence is in the midst of that place. We see our relationship in the body. We're to love one another. 
We don't understand what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. Oh, but that person gets me so mad. There are a lot of people that get me mad. But that's called pride. Again, I'm to love everyone. And just because I can't, my personality is different than someone else's, and we don't always see eye to eye on things, doesn't mean I can't love them. Say, but look at what they've done to me. Oh, and look at what you did to Christ. Do we need to measure it? All the time, we've never done anything, no one's ever done anything to us like what we've done to Christ. Yet he forgave us. As Christ forgave you, so also do ye, the scripture says. We should love one another. We see our relationship in the body. And then letter B, we see our, our not letter B, we're further down, but our, relation, our responsibility in the body. You see, God wants us to make unity in our homes and our churches our mission. Every member should not only contribute to this unity, but also to preserve it. It should be all of our goals. Bible tells us Ephesians chapter number 4, and our series in Ephesians, we got halfway through it. We got through chapter number 3. Starting Wednesday nights, we're going to be going to Ephesians on Wednesday nights. Chapter 4 will start this coming Wednesday. I know some of you, it's too hard to be here on Wednesday. We have a podcast you can get, and you can listen to the book of Ephesians and keep up with that, but it'll be on Wednesday nights. So I'm, not, I'm finishing that series. We're transitioning it to Wednesday nights. The first verse of chapter number four says that we're supposed to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. So we've studied the first three chapters. After all the Lord has done for us and all that he's done, we're supposed to walk worthy of what he's done. And how do you do that? Well, take your Bibles real quick to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse number 2 and 3. The Bible says there, at the end of verse number 1, well, look, look at verse number 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. Verse number 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How do you walk worthy of what the Lord has done? And we're never going to fully walk worthy of it. There's no way we could. But how do we walk worthy of what the Lord has done? With lowliness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, loving one another, and endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's how we do it. You see, it's so important. Um... An internationally renowned surgeon, Dr. Paul Brand, wrote a picture of the body in the church. He said like this, The body of Christ, like our own bodies, is composed of individual, unlike cells that are knit together to form one body. The joy of the body increases as individual cells realize they can be diverse without becoming isolated outposts. But you think about this, what happens when strife develops among church members? When each member seeks to pursue his or her own selfish desires, the church is unable to function cohesively as God designed the church to function. Do you realize this morning the Victory Baptist Church is to be the hands of Jesus? And you, as part of the local body, are to work with other believers to fulfill the mission and ministry of God. One of the things I want you to remember this morning, I mentioned it at the beginning, and we've talked about throughout, if God's placed you in this body, that means God has something for you to be doing in this body. 
Sometimes people get these crazy ideas. They think it's the pastor's job to do the work of God. Show me where it's the pastor's job to do the work of the ministry. If we want to get real technical and get biblical on you, and I know, ooh, get biblical? Do you really want to get biblical? It's my job to give you the tools to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about that. So, pastor, what do we pay you for then? If you want to look at it that way, let's go to Acts chapter number 6. Why they get deacons in the church? Because the pastors need to be faithful to prayer and being in the Word of God. It's my job to feed you the Word of God. That's my job. And praise God that the Lord has called me to do that, and I love what the Lord's called me to do. But if Victory Baptist Church is going to function the way that God wants it to, the members in the body have to pick up their spots and do what they're supposed to do. Give you some examples. This last year is the first year, so year nine of pastoring, first year in nine years that we didn't grow as a church. Every year, we'd grow anywhere from 20 to 30 people every year, leading up to last year. Last year, we didn't grow. We didn't decrease either, though, because there were some people who moved or they didn't like the preaching or something like that. And uh, how can you not like the pastor? I don't know. That's a hard one. I like the, well, sometimes I like the pastor, sometimes I don't, but we'll get off of that subject. But we didn't grow last year. Last year, we had a total of 13 baptisms in the church the lowest number we've ever had. Tied for the most people we've ever had coming to church last year, but the lowest baptism year we've ever had. First year that I was pastoring, from September till December, there were 24 baptisms in four months. In one year, we had 13. So well, what's the issue? I believe what we got to do as a church, everyone has to do their part. Coming to church on a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, or a Wednesday night, that is wonderful and that's great, and we need the teaching of the Word of God. But we're supposed to be ministering and working and connecting within the church that God places us. Because we have one body, right? We're one body. But when most of the body is not doing its job to help the body do what the body is supposed to do, how can the body function properly? It doesn't work that way. For the body to function at optimum level, everyone within that body has to do their job to help it work that way. And the pastor has his job that he needs to do. The, whoever has their job, they need to do. And everyone does. But everyone has to pick up their job and work in their spot so that the body can do what God designed the body to do. Does that make sense? That's how a local body is supposed to work. And we have a lot of churches today that don't function the way God intended it to be. They are pastor and staff led, where the pastor and staff do everything, and people, that's not how God intended it to be. God intended for it to be that we all work together. You're like, well, pastor, I have a job. What else am I supposed to You can give God some time. You literally can. You can do something for the Lord. Have your spot. Do your thing. And that, if we want the Lord to bless and to increase the body he's given us, how is he supposed to do that if we aren't doing what we're supposed to do already where we're at? Does that make sense? It's not, not rocket science this morning. It's pretty simple. Let me put it down on that level. The wonder of believers is the fact that we're a part of the body, and when we function in unity, 
we're able to effectively present the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our responsibility then is to endeavor to keep the unity of the church. That's only point one and two. It's 1202. Tonight, I'm going to cover the last point. Now, I, I gave last service an option. I said, what's going to happen is most of you won't come back tonight, and then you won't ever hear the end of the message. So I told them, if you want to stay here till 2 o'clock today, I can preach the rest of the message. So if you come back tonight, I'll, no, I'm, I won't do that to you. I'm just teasing. But tonight we'll finish up the message. And the last point is the work of the believers and how God takes gifts that he's given to us and applies them so that his work can be done. And it'll tie together wonderfully, and we'll see that tonight if you're able to be here. But we see there's a warning to the believers about some faulty thinking. Don't get thinking too highly. Don't let pride creep in. And because when pride does, we get our focus off of that the Lord's the one doing the work, and we put ourselves in that spot. And pride always elevates self above. And then the wonder is the fact that God can take so many unique believers and so many differences between us, and can, there can, should be unity as we all work. Many members, one body. But what happens, and don't forget the example we had, if the piano player and keyboard player are playing two totally different things than what the song is trying to do, it does not work out very good. When they're together, there's harmony, and it sounds like it should. And in the church, when we're all doing our own thing and not together and unified together, it's the same thing. And people come in, they're like, I don't see the Lord here. I don't see his love. I don't see the unity there. But when a church is unified doing the work of God, it's amazing what people see and how the work of God goes. And so this morning, a couple thoughts as we finish here this morning. Is there someone that your pride needs to be, you need to forgive and move on and get humble? Is there a fellow church member? Is it your husband, your wife that you need to get right with and remove some pride from your life? Do you need to get, for, get your thinking right? Remember that everything you have comes from God. Maybe this morning you are a part of this church and you need to, the part that you are, that part needs to start doing something and functioning as its role within the local church, then talk to God about it and figure out how to do that. So, Pastor, how am I supposed to function? How am I supposed to, do you realize, if God placed you here, he has something for you to do. And the problem is a lot of times we just don't find the spot for you, and then you just sit there and you sit there frustrated. No, one of the blessings about church is being able to minister to others. Jesus ministered to others. That's what his life was all about. And that's what our life should be all about as Christians. And so maybe the Lord has spoken to you. Maybe you need to get involved in some area and find something to do. We'll talk more about that later. But what is it this morning? Is there some pride you need to remove? Is there someone you need to get right with this morning? Is there something that you need to, you know, I love the fact that God brings so many unique individuals together to form a body. Are, you, are we unified? We gotta, and so how, how can we be unified when, our, when we have so many opinions in the room? Do you realize something? My opinion is my opinion. Your opinion is your opinion. Everything that we do should be unified around this book. That's where it comes down to. And sometimes we might not see eye to eye on how to do something that this book tells us to, but we work together for the cause of Christ. And we've worked together. The only way that person falling down that hill right there is going to get to the top is by someone helping him. When a Christian is hurting, 
their help should come from the other members of their church. We don't function the way we should. And may God help us in 2020 function the way he's designed us to function, to be there for one another. Father.